we may not be a lot of things around here. We may not be particularly well polished. But there is no place on this planet than I would rather be than right here with you people doing exactly what we're doing. Um, what an honor. I just, I commend the Treasters. God, my heart is full for them knowing that this is exactly what they're supposed to be walking and exactly what they're supposed to be doing. That is a, uh, unfortunately, that's more of a rare thing in, in our society than it should be. Yes. People who are models of Christianity going forth to do exactly what they were called and created to do. There will be many days of difficulty and many tears that are shed. And you know what? This is exactly what they've been called to do. Amen. Today, um, I get the privilege, uh, I'm just going to take just a few minutes. Um, my sister is here. My brother-in-law is here. My mom is here. I know we have, we have other honored guests here as well, and I'm not trying to just pick on my family, but I've got the mic. So <laughs> there you have it. Um, what we're going to actually do right now is we're going uh, to have a family dedication service. You guys, it'd probably be better to sit for just a second. Come here, Josiah. This is Josiah, Abram, Burrell. What's up, dude? Are you good? Are you good? Look, at, look over there at everybody. Look over that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Josiah! <laughs> We're going to have him. Yeah, he's like... Um, we're going to do it a little bit different uh, than what I think we've done in the past. I've never actually got the privilege of being part of a... Of, I call it a family dedication, right? Yes. We're offering a child unto the Lord, but it's really the parents that have the responsibility. So we're going to, we're going to dedicate this whole family in a minute. Don't worry if it gets noisy. Amen. We like kids. We like, we like kids. Um, Proverbs 22.6, if we can put that on the screen. Proverbs 22.6 says this. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Um, there's a really interesting thing here when you're looking at the word train. I was actually talking to my mom about this uh, last night. A lot of times in our modern day, we take this scripture to mean something a little bit different than actually what it says. Most parents pull out the scripture for the wayward child who has gone off and sowing their wild oats, and they use this scripture to say, if you've trained them up, then they'll come back to you. They'll come back to the faith. What the scripture says is if you train them up in the way they should go, they won't ever even turn from it. That's right. That is the standard that we have. That is the standard as a church that we're saying, if you do this right, when you do it God's way, you won't fail. When you have a marriage that's built upon the right principles of the scripture and you're both going towards God and you both know, understand how to treat each other, your marriage will last. There's a 100% success rate when you do it God's way. Period. There's no other alternative or God would be a liar. There is no other alternative here than if you raise your children right, imparting unto them. The word train there is a really interesting word. To initiate, to disciple, to start, to dedicate. My favorite word, and this is the one I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on right now, is to narrow. There are a lot of things out in the world... And you know what you have to do? Have you ever had a kid that you're trying to talk to? It's, it's horrible when it's an adult, but especially when you're a kid and you're like, look at me, look at me. And they're like, ah, I need you to narrow your focus and only listen to the sound of my voice. Right? There's a narrow, there's, there's actually, um, 
I think it's called a homophone, right? When something sounds the same but has a little bit different meaning. Uh, when I looked up this word, to narrow, it said compare with another word. So I went and looked at the comparison, and the um, pronunciation of them was exactly the same. I kept going, wait, I'm missing something. I'm missing a mark. It looks exactly the same. And you know what the other word means? It means to throttle. If, you've ever, if you're a parent, you've probably wanted to throttle instead of narrow, right? <laughs> I have. And my kids are wonderful and they're godly and I'm so excited to be with them. But we're not supposed to throttle the children. We're supposed to train and narrow their field. Oh, yes, everything is possible. Yes, and you've been created for a purpose. It's a very American thing to say that you can do anything in the world. Guys, I'm not going to be an NBA player. just not going to happen. No matter how much I pray, no matter how much anointing I get, this white man ain't going nowhere in the NBA. just ain't going to happen. I have been, I can do anything within my purpose. He will empower me to accomplish all of my purpose. So the whole world is yours. Eh, that's not what I'm trying to teach my kids. I'm trying to say, you have a purpose, run in that purpose. Like the Treasters are giving us a great example of that. There's a few things that, uh, a few slides that we're going to put up. And Josiah, you guys can come on up here and we're going to do this this way. Hey, buddy, come here. Come here. I'm so honored that um, my, this is my youngest sister. There's a brother in between us, uh, age-wise. I'm so honored that Henry is my brother-in-law. Amen. Henry is an incredible man. I've seen God's Spirit at work in his life for, I guess we've known each other eight or nine years now, something like that, Some, almost a decade now. And uh, I've seen God doing things in Henry's life. I've seen success in the business world as I, I accredit it to He's a brilliant man, but more and more as he... Uh, as God is moving upon him, I see success in every area of his life. I see that his family flourishing. This is Elijah. Everybody say, say hi, Elijah. This is Abigail. And this is Josiah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got some anointed names going on here. Elijah. We're, we're a very ch- uh, Bible literate church, so I'm just going to say their names again. Elijah, yeah. Abigail, yeah. Josiah Abram. <laughs> Fill in what you will. <laughs> but as we do this, there are biblical principles. One of the favorite things about my church, about this church, is that what we do is based on Scripture. Amen. We don't want to have a list of principles that we say are godly. We actually pull the Scripture out and look at it and say, I will build my life around the scripture. Yes. So there's a few, uh, a few slides that we're going to do here. And um, Josiah Abram. Oh, look how cute. Okay, so we'll go ahead and put the first one up. Deuteronomy chapter 6 talks about that everywhere we're supposed to go, everywhere we go, we're supposed to be talking about the Lord. We're supposed to be instructing our children. We're supposed to impress upon them exactly what God has done. So this first commitment, and we're going we're gonna to go through this here in a second, but it says, I commit to accept full responsibility to raise Josiah in the ways of the Lord, to teach him through actions and discipleship, to love the Lord with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I know that they're going to be doing that, obviously, with all three, but it's my sister, and they, they live in Baton Rouge and are part of a, a healthy church there. And so we want to, we're doing this as family. Uh, normally, as a church, we'd also be making some obligations. We ob- oblige ourselves to help you 
and to correct and to instruct and to encourage you in all of these things. But one of the things that you do as a parent is commit to full responsibility to raise them. It's not, ultimately, it's not a teacher. It's not a Sunday school teacher or a youth minister or a children's pastor. As parents, you are the best equipped people in the entire universe Amen. for these three children. Amen. Your other children as well. There is no one that is better prepared and can hear from God better for your own children than you can. So this is one of the commitments that we make. The next one is this. Um, if you think of Mary and Joseph. From the scripture, just like Mary and Joseph, what Mary realized was that her service unto the Lord was siring the king. Wow. Her service unto the Lord. Your service unto the Lord. While you both may accomplish great things in this life, we're gonna, part of what we commit to as a church is that we want to view parenting as a service unto the Lord. A truly noble call. There's nothing that's more honoring than for us to be parents. And we view that as exactly what God has called us to do. The next one says this. I pledge to ask for and accept the instruction of the Lord on specifically how to raise Josiah. Here, I was thinking of Manoah, Samson's father. Uh, Actually, Samson's mother, her name is never given in the scripture. But she is barren. They pray, God blesses them with a child, or an angel comes and and tells them, hey, you're going to have a child. He's supposed to be a Nazarite. He's not going to drink any wine, but mom, you don't either. As parents, we have to make commitments sometimes. They're not even about us. They're about them. They're about our kids. They're about babies like Josiah. And immediately after, Manoah says, uh, oh, that the Lord will come and teach us how to do this. We need, desperately need the instructions of the Lord on specifically how to raise. We can go to as many parenting seminars as we want. But the truth is, is we have to be spirit-led because they each require a different instruction, a different instruction manual to get them to where they're supposed to go. The next one. Like Hannah. Hannah was also barren. She's there in the temple. We, We know the story priest comes before and makes fun of her, thinks that she's drunk in the temple and she's just crying out with a bitter heart. But what Hannah did shows us this. I pledge to yield my will to God's will for Josiah. She decided if God would bless her with a child, that she would allow him to grow up in the house of the Lord all his days. What a difficult thing for a parent to do. As soon as he was weaned, the Bible says, as young as he was, she brought him into the temple and turned him over to to the courts of God. These are, these are the pledges. Do I have another one or is that it? That's it. That's what I thought. Let's go back to the first one. Henry Shree, do you both commit to accept full responsibility to raise Josiah in the ways of the Lord, to teach him through actions and discipleship to love the Lord with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength? Thank you. Do you guys commit to view parenting as a service unto the Lord, a truly, truly noble call? We do. We do. Amen. Do you pledge to ask for and accept the instruction of the Lord on specifically how to raise Josiah, Elijah, and Abigail? <laughs> we do. Amen. Do you pledge to yield your will to God's will for Josiah? We do. Amen. I'm going to have some of the elders and pastors. We're going to come forward and we're going to lay hands on these guys. Josiah, you're doing good. You're doing so good. You're doing so good. <laughs> if you guys will stretch forth your hands as well. Pray as if this was your family. <laughs> Bosh, come on. 
Natalie, absolutely. Mighty God, thank you so much for this beautiful family. Thank you for Elijah. Lord, that he will be a man of God. Thank you for Abigail, that she will be a woman of God. And thank you for Josiah, Lord, that you have purpose, that you are calling him to great things, that he will be a mighty man of valor for you, Lord. Lord, that he will read your words and it will literally impact the nation around him, God. We pray for Henry and Cherie, God, that they will take full responsibility as your calling upon their life. God, that you will instruct them that you will help them, Lord, that these children will never have a prodigal spirit. They will never walk away from your presence. They will always grow up in your house following your purposes, Lord. Lord, we commit this family to you. Lord, we commit, Lord, I commit as a brother, Lord, to do what I can and support them, Lord, but mainly pray for them and watch you do incredible things in their family. Lord, we love you. We praise you, God, and we bless them in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Yay, he made it. Made it. Glory. I love you. Thank you. Love you, Abby. Amen. Now they're going to go back and play. <laughs> Amen. You did good, Mommy. You did good. She, she uh, and my dad raised some, raised some good kids. Sheree is a great, a great sister. Henry is a great guy. So thank you for being a part of that. Um, if you'll turn to Psalms chapter 127. Psalms chapter 127. Um, for those of you who were in our ministry class uh, recently, the 10 weeks that we did, uh, I'll just, I, I'm going to throw a caveat, even though everyone else is listening. This is really kind of for you guys. I've never put together a message the way that it came to me this time. It was built around Psalms 127. So for everyone in the room, guess what? We're going to read Psalms 127 probably four or five times this service. We're going to come to it. We're going to go away from it. We're going to come back. Then we're going to go away from it. Then we're going to come back. Then we're going to go away from it. And then we're going to come back. And then we're going to end. Is that okay? That's, that's the way it's going to work today. Never done it this way, but I'm kind of excited. <laughs> I'm like, ah, this is fun, right? Psalms 127 and verse 1 says this. Let me turn there myself. Unless the Lord builds the house. What a great day to talk about this, right? Baby family dedication. Talking about young couple raising their family, building their house. Unless the Lord builds the house, it's builders labor in vain. Everybody say labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand, stand guard in vain. Everybody say, in vain. in vain. In vain you rise early. Everybody say, in vain. in vain. You rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for He grants sleep to those He loves. Doesn't that just make you want to take a deep breath? He just grants sleep to those He loves. One of the versions that you can translate that as, is for while they sleep, He provides for them. While they sleep. I I like that. I like that fact that the God of all creation is working on my behalf even while I'm asleep. That gives me the encouragement to, to do what I'm supposed to do in a proper way, knowing that He's got my back. He's more than got my back. 
but for popular, uh, for um, vernacular's sake there. Verse 3. Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from Him. Children are a reward from the Lord. Amen? Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. They will not be put to shame. What a beautiful scripture. We're going to come back to that several times. If nothing else, hopefully you will walk away and have a pretty clear recollection of what Psalms 127 is. You may not know what many other Psalms say. Maybe Psalms 23. Lord is my shepherd. But hopefully today you'll have a... We'll do it enough times and you'll actually remember the entirety of this uh, chapter. Um, turn to 2 Samuel. Our base is going to be there in Psalms. But let's turn to 2 Samuel. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Turn to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24. One of the things that happened today during our worship time, if you're not familiar with what we do here, uh, you know, if you're from a different background, um, I most recently came from churches that had about 17 minutes worth of worship. It was, it was wonderfully. I mean, it was immaculately, I mean, it was beautiful. Uh, I think we spent more than 17 minutes on a single song today, right? Why do we do those things? Well, we're actually trying to get to a point where we're not about performing music. We're trying to allow the God of all creation to come in and speak to our hearts and mold our hearts. And sometimes, at least for me, it takes a repetition that the Spirit of God is upon us to bring good news. Maybe, maybe that's not reverberating within you while we're singing, but perhaps it's, it's through the worship team and through different people. It's something that needs to, it should be resonating within you. And we're just going to give it time to see if, that if, if it will. Uh, the words, as people came forth and they either shared a scripture or they specifically spoke a word, sometimes it was a scripture that molded into a prayer that kind of got excited. That is the, the word of God speaking to us through humanity. We believe that God actually speaks today. Amen. Not only through His word, which is obviously a primary example, but He speaks relevant things through the scripture and through men and women. We believe that God speaks. So that's what we were enjoying today was different people would come forward. We actually have a mic. How weird is that in our modern culture, right? You come forward and you actually, you have permission to... Now, you need to make sure it's from the Lord. <laughs> if you're new, we do, have, we do have order. We do know what we're doing on these things. But I love the fact that today, um, each of the words that came forth, I got more and more excited. I, I, like, I quit singing after a while because I got more and more excited because I was like, Oh, I'm going to use that scripture. Oh, I wanted to talk about that. Oh, he said it much better than I will. (laughs) So there's a unity of purpose here today. It's as if the Lord is saying, anyone who has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to you. If the Lord, unless the Lord builds your house, your household, your world, you're building in vain. Right? Proverbs 24, and starting in verse 3, says this. By wisdom, a house is built. And through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. What a neat little passage here in Proverbs, right? Wisdom. 
Through wisdom, a house is built. Wisdom there, when you define it, some of these words feel like they overlap. If I asked you, in your mind, in my mind at least, it was kind of wisdom and understanding are very similar. They've got some overlap in there. But the Bible says it this way for a reason. Through wisdom, through skillful, under, through skillful interpretation, a house is built. Uh, look in Proverbs. Hold your place there and turn to Proverbs chapter 2. When I was growing up, we used to have a thing called sword drills, right? We would look through the Bible. Since the Bible in Ephesians is called the sword, the word of the Spirit is it's the sword, right? So we'd have a sword drill so you can get to the Scriptures first. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. Say, there when you are there. <laughs> For the Lord gives wisdom. Lest we think that we can earn some of these things on our own. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth come understanding, knowledge and understanding. When you look at through wisdom, a house is built. Uh, when you look at built, one of, the, one of the versions of the word there, it could be translated as obtain children. Interesting. To make repair. Perhaps you're in a place in life, perhaps you don't have children. Perhaps your children are grown, and you're not in that phase where you're raising children. It's amazing, though, that the Word of God always relates to each of us. Always. I can read a scripture about a family and it can relate to me as an individual. I can see uh, a scripture about an individual issue and I relate it to my family. It could speak to us because the word is alive. Once it gets inside of us, once, once it gets set forth, it is alive and it can do things. The word can speak to Mike in a different way than it is to me, but they're both exactly what God needs us to hear. How can God do that? How can God speak through a man like Curtis the other night on divine interruptions and, it's, and it reached so many of us and we think of very specific things, but the corporate body is blessed. That's the way this word works. So when you look at built, it's obtaining children or to make repair. Maybe you're not in a child-rearing stage of your life. You're either on the early end or the later end. And you know what? To make repair. Maybe there's some things that you are building right now that aren't actually being built on the word of God. They sound good. It's you, it's, perhaps it's built on common understanding or worldly wisdom. But it's not actually being built on the foundation that God is intending for your family to be built upon, which is the Word of God. Well, today, hopefully, there will be a correction in your thinking. As, as we're reading through these things today, I pray that the Spirit of God move upon you and you go, Oh, you know what? Huh. God is maybe working on my kitchen right now. He's building something. And I went over in a closet and I was trying to help and I kind of messed things up. That's me on a job site. We went and helped JJ and Natalie the other day. Um, I was a helper. That's all I'm good at. Tell me what you want me to do. I will climb up that ladder all day long. You just got to tell me what you Put a nail where? All right, I'll just watch you. I'll watch you do it taking mental notes, and then I'll jump up there and try to help. There are other men. Charlie was there. And it was, it was easy because he became the de facto foreman of that entire job. We were like, Charlie, is this okay? Is this good? Okay, great. Last thing I want to do is be doing something, <laughs> A, and disappoint Charlie because I respect him, and, and B, that he will then have to come and undo. You know how hard it is to undo? We were doing a few things, and we got... Three hours later and went, oh, well, we're going to have to move that now. It fell that right where we had this, this has to go. We can't have both in the same place. It creates a lot of extra work. 
Perhaps you're doing things now that's actually counterproductive to the Holy Spirit. You're not meaning to. It's not an intent. And yet, that's exactly what's happening. You're building things. I think I'll just add this here. I think I'll just do this here. But through wisdom, a house is built. Through understanding, it is established. Understanding, that word right there, means discretion. means reason. (laughs) It also means to be skillful. Look in Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31 and verse 3. Have you ever had just like, uh, it's not really a favorite scripture of yours, but there's a scripture that you keep running across like, this is, um, Exodus 31 is this passage for me right now. Everywhere I turn, everywhere I look, this passage keeps coming up. So I'm going, okay, God, there's got to be more here than like I'm trying to just chew on it and see what God will show me. And this is one of the things that came out from it. Uh, Exodus chapter 31, let's just start in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. That's <laughs> I hope that my life will be marked by, oh, he was just full of the Spirit of God. Amen. Dude didn't know what he was doing, but he was full of the Spirit of God. Amen. Glory. And yet, it says this, full of the Spirit of God and with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts. Don't look down on yourself if you have ability and skill in certain areas. (laughs) We have a church that is built to produce the five-fold ministry. It is built to do that. And if you are not going to be part of the five-fold ministry... You are valuable to this house. Look at Bezalel. I have filled him with the Spirit of God with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts. That word skill is the same one that's used as understanding in the Proverbs passage. It's the exact same one. Other words... um, Oh, no, no. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 10. Hang with me here, folks. We're going somewhere. Jeremiah chapter 10. Verse 12. Jeremiah 10, 12. And it says this, But God made the earth by His power. Love that. He founded the world by His wisdom. It takes some wisdom to form something out of nothing, doesn't it? To build a family from a single person to figuring out who God has ordained that you be with and put you together with. And then to add children to that. Perhaps you added children when you got with the right person. These are, these are things that we have to do. And they, it, takes under, it takes wisdom. The Bible says that he, God stretched out the heavens by His understanding. There is purpose. There is reason. There's a beautiful design here. And then it says... By wisdom a house is built, through understanding it is established. That word, some other words that is translated in the Old Testament. Let me give you just a few to help you understand what established is all about. Same root word that's interpreted as different words in our language. Through understanding a house is established. It's set up. It's fixed. It's prepared. It's to a point. 
It's to render sure. And all of those things point towards a prosperity. Uh, a settledness that's there as your house is established. It's been fixed. It's been appointed. Things are in the right place. Turn to Psalms chapter 51. Many of you can quote this just by me giving you the address of the verse. Psalms 51. Psalms 51.10. Say there when you're there. I want to make sure you're there. I don't want you to lose it. It's good when you hear it. It's good when you, it's even better when you hear it and see it. It's even better when you hear it and see it and really take it in and chew on it. Psalms chapter 51, verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. New King James, I think, says renew a right spirit within me. That word steadfast and right is the same thing that we're saying that through understanding a house is established. It is made right in the sight of God. Turn to Proverbs chapter 12. If you are new to looking through the Bible, this might be a lot of page turning here, but it will be good for you, I can assure you. Proverbs chapter 12, (laughs) verse 3. Amen. Proverbs 12, 3. It says, A man cannot be established through wickedness. (laughs) Anything apart from what God is setting in your home, you cannot be established. But the righteous cannot be uprooted. We were driving the other day. I can't remember. My daughter and I were driving. And (laughs) we saw these trees. Actually, it's over by our house. That's where it was. And these trees were just leaning. Almost as if a huge wind had come through, but none of the trees around it. It was a very peculiar thing. And I told her, I was like, you know, it could be that the next time it rains, the ground gets soft. I said, that tree right there, I'm going to guess that it will fall at some point. Enough wind, enough rain, it's going to fall just because of the way it was leaning. And it will be uprooted. I love the fact here that it says the righteous. But the righteous, the righteous people cannot be uprooted. It is possible to live this life you're, you're into all of your days and serve God. Don't buy into the lie of our modern society that says that really just doesn't happen. The true church of Christ, that's exactly what happens. The true church of the living God, this is exactly what happens. We establish ourselves in righteousness and we won't be uprooted. Uh, Hebrews 12, I think it's 28 or 29, says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken... Let us worship God with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Through wisdom a house is built, through understanding it is established, and through knowledge its rooms are filled with great and precious treasures. Turn to Proverbs chapter 1, just a few pages back. Proverbs chapter 1. Verse 7 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Uh, <laughs> it's easy to look, want to look over at the young people and say, hey, if you despise discipline and wisdom, the Bible is a mirror. When you read scriptures, it should be the standard that you measure yourself against. Far too often in my life, I've tried to figure out where everybody else is falling short. Well, 
Alex, <laughs> I think this scripture's for you. The truth is, is I do best when I look at the scripture and go, God, am I really living up to this or not? Am I being a fool? Am I despising your discipline? Am I despising the divine interruptions that come my way? Am I neglecting the fact that I have one purpose? <laughs> Am I not yielding to love and truth? Like whatever it is, Lord, is this scripture. I'm, I'm taking it from me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Lord, just like Manoah prayed, Lord, show me how to fear you better. Show me how to have a reverent and fearful look at you. By the way, our world tries to take words and mean not what they mean. Oh, you shouldn't be afraid of the Lord. No. No. No, you want your kids to have reverence. Now you don't want to be abusive. But the truth is, and they're in here, so they're hearing me, I want my children to be a little afraid of me. Not at all points. I want them to love me. But I want them to know that there is a line, if they cross it, there will be much retribution. You know why? Because it's healthy for them to feel that way. It's a good thing. Again, we've seen so many people and they abuse that that our society wants to pull away from that. I mean in, a, in an anointed, godly fashion. I actually feel like we should be afraid of the one who can come and remove us from this world in a second. It causes, um, yes, there's a reverence that I have for the Lord. And it's built on love and respect and, and glory. And He is powerful and He is holy unless His mercy is active in my life, I should tremble when I stand before Him. You know, there's a reason that even when the angels come, one of the first things they always say to human beings is, do not be afraid. You know why? Because we all get afraid. When you're faced with that much holiness and that much righteousness, you should be afraid. The Bible says to work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. And yet, we're His sons and we can come boldly into the throne room. It's both and, right? Lord, I'm afraid. I do not want to mess up. Not only because I love you, because you are righteous and you see, no matter what excuses I make, you will not be swayed by my... How can I persuade him? How can I fool? How can I trick the God of all creation that knows the very thoughts and the intents of my heart? Lord, I, I stand. I want to stand before you and I want to make you happy. I really do, but there's, that's because there's some fear there lest he not be happy with me. <laughs> Amen? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Turn to Habakkuk chapter 2. I figured if nothing else today, we'll get enough Scripture and the Scripture will do some work in you and me and it will be a good day. Habakkuk chapter 2. Just as the rooms will be filled when you have the right kind of knowledge of God, your rooms will be filled with great and precious treasures. The word filled, when you look it up, some of the other things that come out is it's confirmed. It's consecrated. It's replenished. Replenished. That's a good word, isn't it? If you feel like the enemy has come in and stolen some things... You build your house this way, you will get replenished. <laughs> you will get encouraged. You will get replenished by the things of God. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14 says this, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. 
as the waters cover the sea. I don't have time to go into that right now. As the waters cover the sea. Isn't the sea made of water? How are the waters... Hmm. It's, it means it's the whole thing. It's completely consumed. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Turn back to Psalms, chapter 127. I promised you that we would visit here a couple of times. How are you building your home? How are you building your life? Are you building it based on wisdom? Is your, is your life getting established because of understanding? Are you being replenished and filled because of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord? Psalms 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. I can't stand doing something in vain. Busy work? Hate it. Doing something and have to undo it later? Oh, I loathe it. Unless the Lord builds my house, unless the Lord builds my life, unless the Lord builds my family, unless the Lord builds my call, I'm building in vain. Unless He's doing it. Unless the Lord watches over this city. Isn't that great? It shifts to the city. Unless the Lord builds the house, I think of me and mine. Maybe in that order, right? Me, mine, what is God doing in me? When it says, unless the Lord watches over the city, I start thinking about you. Unless the Lord builds my life, uh, this is in vain. But it's never designed that we do things for the Lord for ourselves. We are not an island unto ourselves. He's not giving us gifts so that we can go, look at how cool my gifts are. (laughs) I'm a part of the body and I do this. Fantastic. You can't operate independent of the body. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. Do you know there are people who can do a job in the right... The watchmen are supposed to watch over the city. They can be functioning properly and still be doing it in vain unless the Lord is there with them. Have you ever heard of going through the motions? I was a, a marching band guy coming through high school and college. Hundred years ago, I was drum major at LSU. I got to be the guy in the white Elvis suit with sequins, out in front of ninety thousand people in Tiger Stadium. That was me. Got to lead the band. I learned. Uh, you had to you had to learn at LSU. There's different types of marching styles, even between the pregame show and the halftime. You had to learn two entirely different styles to do it. There's one move in marching. Uh, and it's military as well. Obviously, most of this comes from military stuff, but it's called marking time. You're standing there. You're not going anywhere. You're playing, and you're just marking time. In other words, you're exercising, you're putting forth energy in vain. You're not going anywhere. Like, why not just have my feet still? No, mark time. (laughs) Okay. I'm here marking time. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard. They're just marking time. Verse 2, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For He grants sleep to those He loves. Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children, a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. 
They will never be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 22. 2 Samuel chapter 22. We're going to start in verse 25. This is one of those chapters I think it's just hard for me to pick a starting place because I like the whole thing. I want to really read the whole thing, but for time's sake, I'm not going to read the whole thing. 2 Samuel chapter 22, starting in verse 25, says this. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness. Hold the phone. What? The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness. You mean it matters what we do? You mean it matters that we're fulfilling God's purposes in our life and we're being obedient? Um, Well, yes. Yes, it does. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in His sight. Huh. Some of us need to chew on that. To the faithful you show yourself faithful. To the blameless you show yourself blameless. To the pure you show yourself pure. Interesting how that our walk with the Lord, (laughs) He reflects and is magnified back to us with what He's already accomplishing in us. What He is to us, He is reflected and it shows in us. But to the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low. There should be some of that fear of the Lord that's coming when you read these type of things. He helps the humble. Eyes are the, your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low. You are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. Hallelujah. For those of you who were in the same type of church that I did, and that used to be a song that we would sing. As for God, His way is perfect. Everyone say perfect. Perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. Everyone say flawless. Flawless. The Debar Yahweh is flawless. It is flawless. Don't think that you can listen to the self-help people. Don't think that you can get the ten steps and the five easy ways and the 14 things not to do, that's the way, that's the way our, our modern culture is, is, is worked, right? If you have a Facebook account, if you have Twitter, at least on my, feed, on my Twitter feed is the four ways not to do this, and the seven ways to do this, and the 14 things. Hey, they may have some, some truisms in there, but that's not truth. They may have some things that sound really nice, and they're worded, and they're crafted really well. Unless it's here, this word is flawless. That's what I love. Every point of your life, every decision that you make, I want to encourage you to go back to the Word, not to try to justify what you want to do, but to see what it it says and to make yourself align with the Word. Big decisions in your life. Let me encourage you. Find a Scripture passage that the Lord is speaking to you and see if it doesn't give you the blueprint for what you're supposed to do. Start with the Word. Amen? The word of the Lord, the Debar Yahweh, is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in Him. For who is God besides the Lord and who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my fear like the, my feet like the feet of a deer. That's what happens when you put feet and deer together is you get fear. Sorry. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. La 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 la. He enables me to stand on His heights. 
He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. Uh, A correlating passage to that is, I think it's either Psalms 144 maybe, something like that. And it says that uh, He trains my hands for battle. He trains my fingers for war. (laughs) I can beat you up with my pinky. You give me your shield of victory. You stoop down to make me great. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. This building that we're talking about, when you're building this correctly, this is what God is building into you. He is training you. You know the word there for train? When you're looking at it, it's diligently. There's an expertise that's involved. When I looked at all the times that this word was used in the Old Testament, most of the time, the majority of the time, it has something to do with God's instructions to us. When He trains us, like we're supposed to train our children, He's got a different system for training us because He's an expert. There's no flaws in Him. So when He's doing something in our lives, we are to yield to Him because He won't make a mistake. He can't make a mistake. His Word is flawless. His way is perfect. When God is at work in our lives, we've got to allow Him to do it. We've got to allow Him to have full reign in our lives in every way possible. He is a skillful builder. Skillful builder. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We're, gonna, we're, we're rounding, we're turning the home corner here. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 11. Ephesians 2 and verse 11 says this. Mm. Okay, so I've got I to be honest with you. I was studying this about 1.30 this morning. I just got excited. wasn't because I had to. wasn't because I was freaking out. I just got studying and didn't feel like stopping. And I, I had a little praise break on some of this. Just had a praise break. Literally just walking around my living room, just worshiping and praising God, crying. Oh, God, you're so good. His word is alive. Yes. It does incredible things yes. in our lives. Yes. May His Spirit empower these words to you now. Therefore, remember... That formerly you who were Gentiles by birth. Um, that's just about all of us in the room. Right? I'm going to say all. Let's just go with all. It's all of us in the room. Remember that you, that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ. I remember times that I was separate from Christ. I do not have a, um, a tantalizing tale of how I grew up and did horrible things and sowed oats in different places. I was raised by a godly mother, and I was afraid of my mom. I remember I was, I don't, we, had this, we had this conversation maybe when I was 14 or 15. My mom said, you may be bigger than me. You may be smarter than me. You may be able to do a lot of things better than me. But she, she looked at me. <laughs> With her little Cajun self, she said, but God will tell me when you make a mistake and I will come and find you. And I was like, with fear and trembling did I enter into my home before curfew. Because my mom, I knew it. I was like, if I'm going to mess up and my mom's going to get like a word of prophecy and she's just going to know it. I don't want to do anything wrong. All right. 
Remember that at the time you were separate. And even still. I really did grow up in a, in a godly home. I really did try to be a believer. And yet, there were times in my life and I was completely separate from Him. I could not rest on my mother's years of prayer. My righteousness, the best that I could do ever, is still filthy compared to His righteousness. Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. How many people do you know like that? If you work (laughs) outside the home, if you work inside the home in some families, you're going to find people who are without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. You who were far away, if you don't understand that you were far away without Him, then you don't understand. You don't actually have a fear of the Lord. You who were far away have been brought near. One of my favorite themes that runs throughout the Bible is this idea that we who were far away can be brought near. That what sin did to separate us, God has been, the entire Bible is the story of come near, be with me. Emmanuel, God with us. He sent Jesus to be with us so that we could be with Him. It's just, that's boiling things down to a very simple level. But you know what? I think that really is what this is saying. Been brought near through the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace. If you are needing peace in your life, you do not need a self-help book. You need Jesus. I'm not trying to be churchy, right? When in doubt in church, answer Jesus and you'll probably be okay. You know, Bible trivia, just answer Jesus. And at least you sound kind of spiritual, right? Well, I'm saying He Himself is our peace. He doesn't bring peace. He is peace. If you don't have peace, you don't have enough of Him. I'm not, I'm not trying to play semantics with you. If you are at a place in your life when you're not having enough peace on the inside, you need more of Him. You need less of you and more of Him and you will have peace. You need... He is... He Himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier. Thank you, God. The dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in His flesh the law with His commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in Himself one new man out of the two. God, I wish I had time to dig into this. Thus making peace. When you have division, when you have multiple things going on, you'll never be at peace. When you're trying to live as a believer and decide that you have your own plan that you also want to execute, you will not be at peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which He put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through Him we have both access to the Father by one Spirit. Now here, look at verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. Have you ever felt like a foreigner? Some of us may be. You may have come from other countries. I have felt like a foreigner in my own country. I have walked into meetings and I felt like I I must be an alien because I could not be any more dissimilar to the people around me. Foreigner, alien. But you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. 
built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the cornerstone. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who are building labor in vain. We see here that this house that we're supposed to be building is on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. There is a standard that is there. Can't just make it up. <laughs> I, I kind of like, I, I used to, as a musician, I was a clarinet player, right? Saxophone player. I kind of liked being able to improv. Improv means you know the general structure and you kind of just kind of noodle your way around until you figure it out. Just improv. Um, you can't improv your way into being built on the foundation. You've got to inquire of the Lord and make sure that your foundation is the same foundation that the apostles and the prophets had with Christ Jesus Himself as the cornerstone. The thing that you make sure that everything is square with. The, cor- the chief cornerstone is Jesus Christ. I'm not saying this because I think there are a ton of people in here who perhaps don't know the Lord. I think many of us do. I'm saying it for me to make sure that my life is being built with Jesus as the cornerstone. That everything is true. Everything is sure. Everything is in alignment exactly with His Word. (laughs) There are no closets. There are no garages. The the first house, uh, the second house that I ever bought in Louisiana, the garage, instead of it being square, was like this. Just a little bit. But it, was, it just wasn't square. It looked like somebody came along and before they got a chance to pour the concrete or as they poured it, they just... Kind of a parallelogram, you know. That bothered me to no end. I'd walk out and at the front of my garage I could see a gap where the wall was. And they just kind of built things on it. And in the back, the wall was tucking out. I guess they decided to kind of split the gap and straighten out the wall. I was like, this is the most ridiculous thing ever. Worried about when we were going to sell the house, if people would notice. Try to, try to do things, but it just wasn't right. Someone had forgotten to come back and measure before they poured. They didn't check it. In Him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. <laughs> Jesus is the head and we're the body that rises up and grows up into the head. He is this, and the, this whole building rises up to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. <laughs> there are things that we are building, but yet while we are being built. Turn to Exodus uh, chapter 20, verse 25. Are you all with me? Yes. This is one of those things that came alive in me. And I'm just praying that I can actually make it, hopefully make sense to you. Because it's alive in here. (laughs) Please do not let my ability or lack thereof influence you. This word is for us today. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 25 says this. I've got to get there, sorry. 20.25 says this. If you make an altar of stones for me, Do not build it with dressed stones, for you will defile it if you use a tool on it. If you decide to do things the way that the world tells you to do it, a system, a mechanism, an ideology, a religion, if you decide to do something different than the way that God has instructed it, what has to be built for the Lord has to come 
without human tools upon it. You've got to let God refine who you are so that He can build you in these uncut stones. Why does He say not, not to cut them? Because we want to cut off the edges. We want to cheat. We want to round the corners. And we just want it to be easy and on our terms. So we cut the rock so that it will fit in a spot. You know how much harder it is to build things that aren't symmetrical? <laughs> if, you've, <laughs> if you've ever worked out, there's a difference between raising a, uh, lifting a certain amount of weight that is perfectly balanced and proportioned and that exact same amount of weight that's all out of balance. That is a much more difficult thing because it just it's hard to get a handle on. If you make an altar of stones, do not build it with dressed stones for you will defile it if you use a tool on it. In other words, God's got to say, I'm going to take Abby. <laughs> Look how beautifully I've formed her. Look how incredibly I've made her. Now I've got a specific spot. I know exactly where to put her. I know exactly where to put her. He's not going to come in there and hack edges off to go, ah, it's expedient, so I'm going to put her over here. He said, I've got a place for her. And when that place is at the right time, I will put her in that place and it's making an altar that is beautiful. And it will hold together just because of the way things are. You don't need mortar. You don't need falsity in there. You don't need man-made things to cause this thing to really stick together. If you do it right, if you do it the way the Lord's saying it, you and I are living stones. If you allow us to be, allow yourself to be placed in the right spot, it holds together. It can handle things. It won't fall down. You're like, oh, it's going to fall. No, it won't. Well, what's holding it together? The master who designed it has caused you to be in the right place at the right time for the right purpose. Turn to 1 Peter. We're getting to it here. 1 Peter chapter 2. You all with me? 1 Peter chapter 2, start in verse 4. As you come to Him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God, and precious to Him. Let's not pass over how precious some of these things are. Some of you guys know more of the Word probably, maybe than I ever will. And yet, let's not rush through the fact that this is precious. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and a precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. Everybody say, never. 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 Don't back away from what the Scripture says. Those who, who trust, the one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. I felt ashamed in my life before. That's not a feeling that I like. I've been ashamed. But the Word says that I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in Him, who adamantly follows, who gives their life for Him, will never be put to shame. I expect in my life to never be put to shame. Amen. Because His Word says it. And if I am, I know that it's not His fault. It's a reflection on me and whether I'm actually trusting Him or not. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. 
They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. <laughs> but you are a chosen people. Everybody say chosen. chosen. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, <laughs> but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world, there's that phrase again, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. Turn to Psalms chapter 127. We are to be stacked one upon another. (laughs) Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for He grants sleep to those He loves. Sons are a heritage from the Lord, Children, a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. Just two more scriptures here. Turn to Psalms chapter 138, just a few pages over. Psalms 138 and verse 8. Says this. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Can you guys repeat that, that little phrase with me? The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Say it again. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. For some of you, you need to write that down, you need to put it on a card, and you need to put it in your pocket. Laminate it, tape it, so it won't get all messed up in your pocket, and then you forget it, you won't wash it. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. He will. Because He's the master builder. He's not going to labor in vain. He's not going to waste time on somebody. Uh, I say this from a human perspective of what people feel. right? I'm not saying that He would waste time on you. But I'm saying sometimes we, we consider that He's wasting time on us. We consider that He's really not doing in us what we're... But, but I'm not... And I can't. And you don't understand. No, I understand perfectly. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Because I'm going to let the Lord build so that I'm not laboring in vain. I'm going to let the Lord watch over the city so that the guard, the guardman doesn't watch in vain. I'm not going to toil and fret and worry because I know that my God will provide. Last scripture, Luke chapter 12. This is one of the things that I love about our church. Pastor Eric and I spoke for, I don't know, two minutes this morning before service. We said nothing of the actual service, nothing of the content. And when my friend, Pastor Eric, got up, one of the very first things he said was this. In the middle of the worship service, he Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Do not be afraid, little flock. 
For your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Do not be afraid, little flock. (laughs) Sometimes um, the Word of God says, show yourself to be a man. Brace yourself like a man. Get ready, because here it comes. Get ready. Okay, sorry. Song just, sorry, that was not right. Uh, That's how my brain works. Sometimes he says, brace yourself like a man. You better get ready, because... And other times he says, hey, don't be afraid, little flock. Hey, don't be afraid. I love the fact that I've heard that it's 360 or 365 times in the Word of God it says, do not be afraid. Huh. It almost sounds like it's one for each day. Huh. It almost sounds like there's a verse for each day of the year that tells me not to be afraid. But here he says, don't be afraid, little flock. I, I can't imagine him saying that with anger. Don't be afraid, little flock. That just doesn't fit. How can you say little flock and be like, don't, don't you just feel, don't you just feel the approval of the Lord when he's saying this? Don't you just see the shoulders that have relaxed and the arms that are open and a countenance that is graceful and full of love saying, don't be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. He has been pleased to give you the kingdom, little flock. He's pleased, Eric. He's pleased with the treesters. He is pleased to give you the kingdom. We have to make sure that we're allowing the Lord to build us and that we are only building exactly what He has said for us to do. We have to be okay with this scripture. Do not be afraid, little little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Wait, you're being redundant. You're repeating the same thing. Yes, yes I am. I'm doing this intentionally. Because what I want us to do is go, if he's been pleased to give me the kingdom, if he, if he really has, if the scripture is actually true, which I'm going to say that I'd be willing to die for the fact that this is true. I will give my life for the fact that this is true. I see the word and I will respond to it appropriately. Don't be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. If he's been pleased to give us the kingdom, then why would we ever want to be distracted and to build things in vain? He's given me the kingdom. The fear of the Lord causes is the beginning of knowledge. When we're doing these things, I don't want to be a cut stone. I want to make sure that I'm exactly what God has been creating me to be. What, do you, what about you? Are there areas in your life where you're building and as we're talking you go, you know what? I really have never asked the Lord about this area of my life. I presume that college was what I was supposed to do. You know why? Because I never really just asked. I just started building a college plan. By the way, I'm a huge fan. Huge fan of college. And if you do it without listening to God, then you perhaps are building something in vain. How many plans do we make and we want to just go off, run off, go wherever? Why? Because I'm just nervous and I've got to go do something. Lest you build something in your life in vain, can I just say, 
Calm down. Don't be afraid, little flock. You can get sheep that will go off in any direction if you're not careful. They will put their head down, chomp on grass until they just wander off. Why? They just... Um, how do I say this delicately? Sheep are stupid. Is that delicate? Real... real try to put a cushion on the hammer. You know, sheep are stupid and... We're compared to sheep. <laughs> Bible compares us to sheep a lot. Jesus says, don't be afraid, little flock. With gentleness and kindness, he's saying, calm down. Don't go anywhere. Don't freak out because I'm giving you the kingdom. I'm building you into a righteous temple that will rise up before me. Let's rise to our feet.